and welcome to Futures Focus, a fantasy baseball podcast centering around all the top prospects in the game, brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is Alex Sanchez, and today we are going over the AL East top prospects. And joining me today to talk about his beloved Red Sox, owner of Prospects 1500, Scott Green, the one and only. How are we doing tonight, sir? Doing all right, Alex. So good to be back on Futures Focus. It's been a little while for me. Ready to do some AL East Top 50s discussion. Yes, thank you so much for coming on. It's always fun when you got the boss man of sorts coming on. Um, And I know you're super prepared and ready to go for your Red Sox. So we're going to get to that in a second. But just the intro to the AL East. You know, last week, if you listened to the podcast, we had elite, elite prospects. And, well, I don't think we have the same type of elite prospects in this division. I would beg the question that this could be the best division for prospects in general in terms of the depth. These systems are fantastic. The Red Sox Yankees are really, really good in terms of like one through 20. And then the Orioles, I think, at least I'll let you answer this too, but were my consensus number one overall system were they number one for you when you did your rankings yeah they were they were for for me and if if anyone hasn't seen our prospects 1500 uh, organization rankings uh, we did rank the farm systems from 30 down to one uh, very very cool process that we did with 28 different writers that each ranked the systems one to 30 and we aggregated points and you know came up with our overall one through 30 ranks and in the Orioles came out number one, but as you said, fairly strong system with Tampa number six, Boston at 11, New York at 12. And uh, where's Toronto? Where'd they end up? I guess. Oh, 21, Yeah, 21, a little bit lower, but certainly those are, uh, you know, like I said, I, the elite prospect, I don't know if we're going to get the elite elite here, like a Jordan Walker or the LED La Cruz, but we're certainly going to get a lot of really good guys that should be owned on dynasty teams. And if they're not, you need to run out and go get some of these guys because look, nothing's better than getting a top Red Sox or Yankees prospect because they have extra value for whatever it is. I don't know, you know, the Yankees nation, whatever Red Sox nation, whatever it is. You have Jason Dominguez. He's worth like five or ten extra spots than he would if he was on another team. Do you agree with that, Scott? I think so. Yeah. I mean, because he's a Yankee, he probably wouldn't might not be ranked up that high if if he was on another team. Uh, and another guy I really really like uh, on Toronto. I'm not going to talk about the Toronto system. Daniel's going to join join you for that. But uh, Ricky Tiedemann, he's like the top left-handed prospect in the game, uh, in the Blue Jays farm system leading up that, that organization. Yeah. Fantastic lefty. We'll get to that too. I mean, the, the Blue Jays, I'm glad Daniel's coming on because there's a lot of names here that I'm not familiar with that are ranked really high as opposed to some guys that I do know that are a little bit lower. So I'm very anxious to talk about him, but let's get right to it with your Red Sox. Uh, I I've always been really high on a lot of these guys. And I feel like they uh, some of these names have been around here now for a while. There are a couple of newcomers. Um, Let me go ahead and just give you the floor here and give me the overview of the system, where it's at. Where do you think it's headed? Are these guys going to be more of a wait one or two years or are a lot of these guys ready to help you out in dynasty leagues and redraft leagues this year? 
That's a good question. So we've got uh, Marcelo Meyer, Tristan Casas. When I say we, Ben Wilson and I uh, collaborate and do our Red Sox top 50 every January and then every uh, summer for our midseason updates. We have Marcelo Meyer, number one, Tristan Casas, number two. So Meyer, probably not going to see any major league action until at least late next year, 2024. I mean, he hasn't even seen double A yet. So he he's a stud, but he's got a little time. Tristan Casas, probably going to be the starting first baseman for the Red Sox this year. Prospect eligible, could still grab him in many dynasty leagues if he's unknown for any reason uh, because he's under 130 at bats. Uh, I think he's a legitimate rookie of the year candidate. But if you're talking about these other guys that we've got up in the top of our list, I'm going down into tier two here. Sadon Raffaella, our number three guy, did well. He killed high A, did well in double A last year. He's going to get at least a triple A this year. Some people think he could debut later uh, in 23. I'm not so positive about that, but you know, it may be in the late, late rounds of a redraft league. You you snag him, especially if you're doing a like a 50 round draft and hold uh, NFBC style league. He's certainly going to get drafted there. And I think Nick York is at least a year away. He did well in the Arizona Fall League after struggling uh, during the regular season. But uh, I think Nick York is is coming on. Brian Mata, our highest uh, pitcher, ranked uh, number five in our system. I believe he's going to debut this year. And and if you could, let me just finish up with the two guys in, in Tier 2 here. Miguel Blias, he is someone that across the entire prospect industry, so many people are in love with this kid. Even Ben Wilson had him number three on his Red Sox top 50. I had Blias number 10 on mine. He's great. He's an awesome player. He's only 18. He's only played in rookie league, and I need to see more of him before I deem him the next great Jason Dominguez of the Red Sox, I guess. Um, so I, I, I'm like cautiously optimistic, but I want to see how he does in full season ball. And you know, he came in number six on our list because Ben had him three, I had him ten, so we. We got him somewhere in the middle there. The last guy on tier two for us is Brandon Walter. And I know you wanted to ask me about him. Yeah, I have I have a lot of questions, but we can start there with Brandon Walter, 26 year old lefty. I don't know too much about him and to have him in tier two ahead of my guy, Blaze George. Those guys, but you had this guy much higher than those two. So tell me about Brandon Walters. Is he a guy I should go and, and acquire? I think he's available in most of my leagues. Um, and I can just like literally pick him up right now. <laughs> yeah, I would, Alex, if you've got a spot on your minor league roster and you can grab him for, you know, free or, or short change, definitely do it. If you have any need for starting pitching, he was their minor league pitcher of the year uh, in 2021. He was off to an excellent start in 2022, uh, was was killing it in double A, even made it up to triple A. Then he was shut down uh, after June with a neck issue, back strain. So he very likely would have debuted in the majors last year if it wasn't for that injury. But he's going to be ready to go this year. 
I think after a little bit of time in AAA, he's going to be up at least by midseason. That's good to know. Actually, he is owned in most of the leagues I'm in, except the Highlander Invitational. And we're doing our first year player draft slash anybody available. And I might be taking him with my next pick because the rotation isn't anything to write home about at the big league level. And you're right. His stats are fantastic. I mean, AAA didn't go quite as well for him. But let's get back to the top here because we need to talk about is Tristan Cassis Bobby Dahlbeck 2.0? Because I was very hyped up for Dahlbeck, and I'm getting a lot of the same vibes, but I don't want that to happen again. So how far off is Tristan Cassis from Bobby Dahlbeck? And I'm hoping the answer is quite a bit because I have Cassis in a lot of leagues too. I think you're okay there, Alex. I would not be nervous. Cassis has a totally different hit tool than Dahlbeck. Uh, Dahlbeck might have a little bit more power, but so much more swing and miss. And and Casas is just an amazing bat, and he's showed it across all levels. He he did it for the USA Olympic team. Uh, he's he's even performed pretty well at the major league level in his short time. So um, he is the real deal. Uh, even so much so that I have my um, my Tristan Casas 2018 Bowman draft first Bowman red refractor uh, numbered to five PSA nine. Uh, I've got that on the market. So if you know anyone that wants one of the greatest ever Tristan Casas first Bowman cards, have them hit me up. <laughs> that makes me worry that he's Bobby Dahlbeck. If you're selling this card already before well, you well, if I can grab up. if I can grab a quick 2K for it, he's going to be a lot better than Bobby Dahlbeck. Yeah, I, I I think so too. I think, like you said, that hit tool is the big thing where Dahlbeck just kind of got by on his power and then it just fell apart. It's interesting uh, the demise of Bobby Dahlbeck. It was a it's a swift fall for him. Yeah, I think he'll um, probably be seeing a lot of time in Worcester this year. Yeah. Unfortunate. And there's not a lot of room for air for him anymore with these guys coming up. But before we move on to tier two, I do have a couple of questions with the next three and four on your list. But let's talk about our sponsor, Fan Tracks. Really happy to have you on now, Scott, because we are about to start our first year player draft for the Beat the Staff uh, league that we have, which is the minor league only. It's it's a very unique setup. Again, I don't think you could do this on any other platform, Scott. I mean, the way that we have it set up, I, I just don't think you can do it anywhere else. Do you? It's It would be really difficult. I'm not sure how it would be done. And I know some platforms that just wouldn't be able to do it because the database of, of prospects is not large enough. But, yeah, it was able to allow me to basically uh, put only the – the uh, players that had less than 130 at bats or less than 50 innings pitched but were signed to a minor a major league organization into the database as our player pool so those were the only types of players that were in the draft draft room last year when we were drafting and uh, we each drafted 50 players and the thing with this league is we could not get any points from these players until they made their major league debut. So at that point, we were able to promote them to our majors active roster. And that's when we started to accumulate points. Uh, and I think we has it. Uh, it's a, was it a points only or a roto league? I, I can't remember. It's a, but It's a roto league. Roto. So yeah. 
so you know and it's just a great concept so when they promoted a player to the majors then that opened another minor league spot and you could go and pick up um any minor leaguer uh and they were all on waivers uh each each day so you couldn't freely claim a player but uh, yeah just all prospects half the league are staff writers of our site and half the league were followers on twitter uh, one of our followers actually won the league last year, but uh, we've got an opening. So if someone wants to join our prospects uh, challenge, beat the staff league, uh, they just need to go to fantrax.com slash prospects 1500, register for free, and then uh, send us an email that you might be interested in taking over this team. And uh, we're going to sift through the the entries and then we're going to pick one uh follower to to join our league and it's uh, prospects 1500 at gmail.com fantrax they just they do an awesome job with every sport you know what i have a, a nascar league ready to launch uh with my son and a few other people um coming this sunday with a daytona 500 so yeah any any fantasy dynasty league you want to do fantrax will take care of you and the added bonus at if we do select you you are going to also be entered in to win that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. signed jersey. So you could get two awesome things just for doing one thing, which is to sign up at Fantrax.com slash Prospects1500. So go do that. Support Fantrax, our sponsor. They've been great with us. Now, let's go on to Tier 2. All right. I gave you a comp that was in the organization for Tristan Cassis. I have a comp here for Zidane Raffaella that... Also is not a good one because this is who I'm starting to get vibes of because of the great defense. And I think that we see his name in a lot of lists that are not dynasty related. And it reminds me of Christian Pache. So what do you think about that comp? And, you know, is he going to be a defensive first guy? Is I mean, Obviously, you probably don't think that having him number three on your list. So I, I need you to convince me. I actually kept him off my top 100 that I just finished the other, uh, today. So um, what do you have to tell me about Raffaella that you like him so much? You've got to change your top 100 is what I've got to tell you to do right now. Uh, you know, his, his offense is completely different from uh, Pache's. And uh, I, I think he's got, he's got the tools. Uh, you could talk five tool with, with Raffaella, although I'm not so sure about the, the speed and potential stolen bases. But he's got, you know, the, the average. He's got some pop. Um, you know what? He was actually 14 of 16 in stolen bases uh, at high A. So I think he, he, he could put up all the tools. And and uh, I actually look at him uh, more for his bat than his defense. So if that might change your mind a little bit on him, he he's rocketed up uh, rankings where, you know, I'm thinking just a couple of years ago, he was probably down in the 30s on our top 50 list. Yeah, he definitely has the biggest rise. And a name that I thought I was going to see a big downfall for you was Nick York. He was on the trajectory of Anthony Volpe, who we're going to talk about here in a second, where a high draft pick that kind of goes unknown in terms of first-year player drafts and all of a sudden breaks out. And we were hoping for that to continue in 2022, but it just didn't. I've seen him drop off in a ton of places. Not for you, though. You still believe, and I'd have to actually agree with you. I actually believe in Nick York a lot. I think he's a fantastic buy low. You can get him in a lot of leagues for half the price of what you could have. 
at this time last year. So still number four, you must still have a lot of faith in Nick York, second baseman. I, I do. Um, you know, Ben had him fifth. I have him third. And so he came in at fourth on our on our overall list. Uh, I saw him play in Arizona. He looked really good. Uh, was was um, was he had a tough 2022 and uh, after he just really killed it in 2021 in the lower minors. But I think that, you know, he he showed some great discipline and some great bat to ball in the Arizona Fall League. I think he's going to be at double A Portland this year and he's going to impress. That's my expectation for Nick York. Yeah, certainly that Arizona Fall League is that glimmer of hope that I'm holding on to maybe too tightly. But I think that a lot can change for a guy that's 20 years old coming off such a breakout where we want these guys to actually experience some failure to learn from it. (laughs) Otherwise, they tend to get to the big leagues and then they can never recover from that failure. So I don't mind it as long as they bounce back. Volpe had the same sort of thing. Like him and York had terrible starts. It's just York kind of never bounced back the way Volpe did, um, except in the Arizona Fall League, which is really, really encouraging to see. So um, talking about the top 100 list again, I actually had two guys here that are below those two. Uh, Miguel Blyce, who made my top 100, and Blaze Jordan, who squeaked in at like 97 or 98. Um, so I had those guys at my top 100 what do you think about them? Uh, give me, I know you talked about Blyce a little bit. He is obviously very, very hyped up right now, but a type of guy that, you know, coming into dynasty leagues around the time of the Acunas and the Vlads and the Sotos and the Tatises, guys that were not drafted, that were international signings that you had to just jump on right away. Otherwise, you never, ever, ever got a chance to get him again. So in that case, I'm just going to go for it with this type of guy. And we talked to Nate about DePaula too with the Dodgers, I think another similar guy. Like he just got to jump on these guys right away. And so for me, I'm like, let's just do it with Blyce. Um, you said the highest ceiling prospects go in a perfect dream world. What do you think this guy can do at the big league level? So I'm, I'm, I hate to do this, but I'm going to defer to Ben Wilson. You know, Ben wrote the little blurb on Blyce from our top 50. And, you know, he says he could emerge quickly as one of the game's most hyped prospects by middle of this year. Um, many scouts thought he was the best hitter in the Florida Complex League. I, again, am saying cautiously optimistic. I need to see success at single A for him. Uh, you know, he has um, he's got a tool set to be a star. He's he's got some rare power and speed with with great defense in center field. So everyone's saying he is the real deal. I just want to wait and see more, see more on that. Yeah. I'm not saying to invest like heavily in him and go out and trade your Tristan Cassis or whatever for him, but you can pick him up in a lot of leagues just, and he's a guy that you just jump on. Like if you're on the fence about it, just go for it with a guy like him, nothing to lose. And then let's talk about my guy, Blaze. Sort of uh, one of my favorites, I think, out of all the prospects in the game. Uh, I always will have a soft spot for Blaze Jordan. And again, I mean, for the age and what he was able to do, I mean, in 2022, I'm looking here, we got, uh, what, 12 total home runs with a 289 batting average over 120 games for a 19-year-old. A That's pretty darn good. It reminds me a lot of Kevin Alcantara we talked with the Cubs last week. I mean, they're so damn young. and they're 
doing more than treading water, and yet they're kind of getting lowered in these rankings. So is that fair with Blaze, or um, is he somebody that you've seen a little bit more now and, and don't see that potential you know, 40 homer bat that we might have once dreamed about. No, I still do think that he could be that potential 40 homer bat. Uh, he's 20. He he made high A last year. I think um, I want to focus on the positives that we saw, like you said, 289 batting average. He uh, 363 on base percentage last year. Uh, if he can crack double A this year, then that's amazing. You know, uh, 20 years old and to be in double A, I know know, Jackson Churio on the Brewers was in double A at 18 years old last year, but, uh, you know, Blaze has that, you know, 500 plus foot home run power that we all think back to from the high school home run derby. And, uh, he's got that, he's at third base, maybe a little bit first base, you know, Devers is going to be at third base for a while in Boston now. So does does Blaze move to first? I mean, Casas is going to be at first. So where I don't know exactly where Blaze's position is with the Sox three, four, five years from now. Um, but uh, he's just got to perform. Let, let him. He'll go out. He would probably say, "Let me just go out and do my stuff this year, and and uh, we'll see what happens within the organization." Yeah, if Manny can play left, then I think Blaze can play left just fine with the big wall bailing him out with balls over his head. But when I looked at Blaze this year, like I was expecting him to kind of just continue to grow and almost to the point of it being a negative. But he looks really athletic and he hasn't put on a ton of weight, which was one of the big knocks because he was such a big high school kid getting drafted. So I still think like if you liked Blaze Jordan a lot last year, then you should still like Blaze Jordan a ton like there's nothing that he did that should um, downgrade him in any way Um, last guy here I want to talk about then I'll give you the floor with anybody else you want to kind of mention here after this but we're going to talk about the Rays and Kyle Manzardo who is you know top 10 in a lot of places Uh, Nico Cavadas reminds me a lot of Kyle Manzardo like they're huge power guys I know Kyle probably has the better hit tool and all that good stuff and Nico strikes out a lot but man there is a path to the big leagues where Nico just drops a lot of bombs, right? I mean, this is a guy, 24, he's not too far away. As a first baseman, yeah, we don't get too excited about him, but what what's the like here about Nico at 13 for you? Yeah, um, I, I love Nico. He came out of Notre Dame. He strikes out a lot, <laughs> and you've got huge power, and you've got a lot of strikeouts, uh, 40% K rate. Um, what was that double uh, A in Arizona Fall League? We saw a 40% K rate. I actually had, uh, I caught some video of him in Arizona when I was there, which was, uh, and he just crushed, crushed a ball. It was like a moonshot. I I almost didn't see see it come down. But if you go to our Red Sox top 50 and scroll down to Nico at, uh, we've got, we have him at number 13. Um, you'll, you can see that tweet with the video that I embedded. But uh, yeah, he, he, maybe he's a DH, you know, in coming years because uh, we've got that universal DH. Um, but uh, it's an interesting bat. He's I think he's going to improve. And let's see where he does. Let's let's see where he goes upon reaching um, a little bit of the higher levels here. Yeah, I mean, if Blaze was blocked, it's certainly not good for Nico either. But I don't like to think about it that way. Right. Things have a way to work themselves out. 
I mean, who do you care where he plays on your dynasty team? He doesn't even have to be for the Red Sox. So um, don't let that deter you from these guys if you truly believe him. Oh, I love Blaze Jordan, but he's just blocked by Devers right. and Fast. Right. Like, it'll work out somehow. Um, just ask all the Braves pl- prospects that were blocked. Now they're playing for the Oakland A's. So <laughs> works out really well. All right. Um, I do want to move on to the Yankees here. I think it gave you a lot of good time for the Red Sox, but, you know, they're the Red Sox. We got to talk about them. Anybody else you want to mention that guy, you know, a guy that's a diamond in the rough down here? Yeah, uh, just a couple uh, other names really quick here. Uh, one other from our tier three. He's a 19 year old. He hit single A last year. Right handed pitcher Luis Perales. A lot of people in the prospect industry are high on him. Um, a hyped international signing. I would definitely keep your eyes on uh, Luis Perales, um, thinking he's going to spend probably most of the year in high A, I think. Uh, he might start at single A again. Tier four, I wanted to uh, point out uh, Elmer Rodriguez Cruz, who we have at number 21. He's a right-handed pitcher, also 19 years old, uh, was drafted, I think, just a couple years ago. Definitely uh, rising up. Uh, Red Sox prospect rankings. Uh, so watch for him. And I do like the guy that we have at the bottom of our tier four, Willier Abreu, an outfielder who was uh, traded um, from Houston with Emmanuel Valdez uh, for Christian Vasquez last year. And uh, Willier Abreu was pretty highly ranked in the Astros. Uh, organization. I know on last year's like mid-season uh, top 50, he was he was in their top 10. Um, I Ben and I have him at number 31. We just want to see see some more of him. But he he was in Double A last year, and uh, I believe yes, he's part of uh, the 40-man roster. The Red Sox uh, wanted to at least protect him, so they've uh, bumped him to the 40-man roster. And you never know, he he could even make a debut this year if they need some outfield depth. And lastly, our tier five guys, our tier five runs from 32 to 50, but right at the top of tier five, I have Alex Benellis who had come over uh, in the trade uh, from Milwaukee last year. Uh, he and David Hamilton came over. Benellis has huge power, but he uh, struck out a lot at double a, he really, really struggled and uh, hopefully he can turn it around uh, in 2023. The last guy I wanted to mention, one of your old friends, Max Ferguson, previously of the Padres organization. This guy's a second baseman, 23 years old, uh, was in high A last year, and um, he he didn't hit above 200 between uh, San Diego and Boston's high A levels. But he's versatile up the middle, has a lot of speed. Uh, just don't know if he uh, he can't steal first. So we have to figure out what he's going to do. Yeah, I, I I saw him live and I just I don't know how he I think he just stole every chance he got. And then he he's not that fast. Like I didn't see the speed. But anyway, yeah, good old Mac. I mean, every organization has a former Padres prospect at this point. <laughs> getting ridiculous. All right, let's move on to the Yankees. And I'll go ahead and give my thoughts on the intro for this this system which i think is really good i i can't decide if it's good because they're the yankees and these guys get a lot of hype or it's good because they're they have a lot of guys that i really um am very excited about but at the top you have it headlined by anthony volpe a tier one player i don't think anybody 
would argue against having him in the at that elite tier. I think Volpe is ready to go now. Should probably like if I was the let me ask you this, Scott. Do you would you start Volpe right away day one as the shortstop for the Yankees this year? I would not. You know, and I, I think that he's a twenty twenty four major leaguer. Uh, I, I still think he's got to do more at double A and then sometime at triple A. I, I, but you know, I'm not a Yankees fan. I'm not following their organization as deeply as I am Boston's. Uh, but, but I do run a prospects website. And so I'm very familiar with these players. I just don't know that he's ready, uh, to start opening day. Um, likely that he'll make his debut in 2023, but I think he's, I think he's a full-time major leaguer come 24. Yeah, I think you're right. He's not probably going to, I think Peraza has probably got the lockdown on that job. I think Volpe, I think worried a little bit of uh, people that didn't quite look at what happened with the context. He obviously had a horrific start at double a that, you know, very disappointing. I actually predicted this on the, uh, uh, the, uh, the predictions podcast with David a year ago, where I thought, you know, Anthony Volpe will have a, a bad season. He kind of did. But the thing is, there was an explanation for it. When he started to turn it around, he adjusted the swing and kind of went back to what he was doing the year before. He had tried to make some adjustments and it just didn't work, ditched him. And he went back to being that player that we all fell in love with in 2021. So I like that explanation as to why he got off to such a slow start. And then when you take out those first two months, which I know it's tough to do, we sh- probably shouldn't do that a lot, but the rest of his season was fantastic, especially dynasty-wise. When we're talking about potential 20, 30, 20, 40, perhaps even, that's going to be fantastic to have at the shortstop position. So if I'm the Yankees, I'm I'm starting him right now. Like, let's just go. I, I don't care. I mean, it's a little different than Bobby Witt and the Royals, right? The Royals didn't have a lot of, downside to putting them out there the Yankees are trying to win a World Series so there is a a difference with that but let's just get Volpe up as quickly as possible in my mind I'm very very high on him and I think that like fantasy wise you really want to try to get as many shares as you can but after that we have a, a bunch of guys and you know Jason Dominguez what a story about in terms of overhyped to now perhaps underhyped I did see him at the futures game he looked like a big leaguer, honestly. The way he handled himself, he's thick. He's very, very muscular. He's not the biggest guy in the world by any means, but the way he swings and the mechanics that he have, it just looks like like almost like a David Justice type of swing where it's just beautiful and powerful, and you can tell that. Plus, you he's a switch hitter. Like, that's awesome. I love switch hitters. So is it possible now that Jason Dominguez is underhyped for you, or do you think he's kind of where he should be, or is he still overhyped in your mind? I think he's where he should be. Um, I think he's definitely top five Yankees organization. I think he's definitely top 100 in, you know, overall in, in uh, baseball prospects. Um, I'm working on my own personal top 100. I don't know exactly where he's going to fall, but probably somewhere in the 40 to 60 range overall. Um, he made it up to double A at 19 years old if i'm not mistaken and i saw him play in high a hudson valley and yeah very impressive you saw him in the futures game uh this last summer i saw him i think it was in the futures game the the summer before i think he's done two years in a row um 
He's, you know, impressive player. I, I don't know if he's going to be at the level of the hype that, you know, the hobby had him as the greatest thing ever just a couple years ago. Um, but and he hadn't even debuted. Uh, but you know, he's a good player, and uh, and we'll see what happens. I I, I uh, urge people to hop onto the website Prospects 1500 and check out what uh, Paul Wooden our Yankees correspondent had to write about uh, Jason. And I do want to give a nice shout out to Paul. He couldn't make it on a recording uh, for our podcast tonight, but I believe in what he says about Volpe, by the way, where, where Paul, our Yankees writer, he actually says that a debut this year isn't out of the question, but he believes he'll be a major leaguer full-time in 2024. So kind of agrees with what I said there uh, just a couple minutes ago. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely right. I'm just, if I was the Yankees is kind of what I was <laughs> getting at. Like, I'd start this kid right away. The Yankees can't mess around. I get it. Mm-hmm. But with Jason Dominguez, let's get back to him because yeah. the, the overhype has really hurt him. I actually have him. I, I didn't try to do this, but I got him to 30 on our top 100 list just because a 19-year-old that hit 273 with 16 homers and 37 steals is going to be fantastic. <laughs> and if you take away the name, I think a lot of people would be extremely excited about that. It's just, again, that overhype, especially the the Bowman stuff, you know, where he was going for thousands of dollars, just soured a lot of people. So uh, I agree. I think he's kind of where he should be now. If anything, he might be underhyped. The problem is anybody who got Dominguez in your dynasty league and held on to him probably still believes in him because of the hype that, he was at when you had to draft him, so it's probably still difficult to get him. But you know, he's 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 a big leaguer, I think. In, a, in yes, in, there was a time where he didn't look like one for a second. So I agree with you. Yeah, he he's definitely improved lately. Uh, I would like to add that as uh, right now, as we're recording this, uh, so many of our site writers are working on their overall top 100s, and within the next week or so. Uh, we're going to be able to publish our Prospects 1500 overall top prospects list. It's probably going to be somewhere around 200 uh, prospects, and it will be very interesting to see where the Martian uh, falls when that is all said and done. Yeah. A couple guys here that did make my top 100, Oswald Peraza. Again, he's going to probably get that starting job if it if they give it to a rookie. And he's exciting, too. I don't know if he's as, as exciting for a long-term fantasy prospect, but a guy that's going to be playing a lot. But the Yankees up the middle certainly is useful. But the guy I want to talk about here is Everson Pereira, who is, you know, I, I made a prediction that he would lead the minor leagues in home runs this year. Uh, it didn't quite happen. The power is still there. Don't, don't get me wrong. It just didn't kind of sh- show up the way I thought it would. He actually got off to a, a slow start as well. But if you take the second half of his season, it's very, very encouraging up to, you know, 14 homers, 21 steals in 102 games is really, really good for a 20 year old. And a Yankees, get, you know, prospect gets overhyped and then underhyped, I think, a lot with him. So you could probably get him for a, a decent amount. He made my top 100. I know you said you weren't finished with you with yours. Do you think he can crack your top 100? Yeah, I think so. It's it's potential. I think he'd be, you know, in the 90 to 100 range if he makes it. I do agree with Paul and what Paul says about Pereira, you know, 2020 potential, good tools. And some scouts, according to what Paul writes on our site, they like him more than Dominguez. 
Yeah, I think that when you look at him and how hard he hits the ball, it's really easy to understand that. And if you just take away the Dominguez name, you know, I think there's they're a lot more equal than people might want to admit, especially the Yankees probably want to admit. So Pereira is a great fantasy guy as well. I mean, Dominguez is too. Like they're going to be even Volpe. Like they have power and they have a ton of speed. With the new stolen bases rule, there's going to be a lot of dynasty leagues that are won by these three potentially in the future. Now, after that, these two guys that Paul had, Trey Sweeney, Roderick Alderis, uh, Arias, and even Spencer Jones at six. I don't know a ton about Spencer Jones just quite yet. I know he's very popular. Um, I'm not huge on these guys. What do you think about having them in tier two? Um, that's a great question. I, for listeners who might not know about our tiers, uh, tier one is high expectations of both making the majors and playing at an all-star level for many years. Uh, so basically your studs. Uh, tier two are players with an of, above average expectation of making the majors and being a solid contributor. So Paul having these guys... Uh, Spencer Jones, Trey Sweeney, and Roderick Arias, uh, 18-year-old, rookie league, um, 6, 7, and 8, ranked in the Yankees' top 50. Having them at Tier 2, he's very confident that they are going to be solid major league contributors. So, you know, I'll have to I'll have to give him the credit there. But if you look then at Tier 3 for us, which is players with an average expectation of making the majors and being a solid contributor— I might put those guys in the top of tier three, but I guess they could really go either way. Yeah, I actually like Luis Heal at nine more than those six, seven, and eight. Mm -hmm. I think he's like in the big leagues, especially with the news about Montas probably being out for the year. There's certainly a path for him getting regular starts now. I know Paul didn't know that when he made this list. Could have changed some things. Um, Clayton Beater, again, from the Dodgers, I like to trust Dodger pitching prospects, especially when they get in other organizations that actually have paths to the big leagues and can give them starts. Uh, they become really exciting. So those two like are more sure things. Now they are pitching prospects, but they're that's more a great, sure things. That, yeah, that's than, a great point, Alex. I, I like Heal and Beater, and, and could probably see them in t- in tier two ahead of ahead of those other guys, but maybe a little bit interchangeable here. Yeah, this this system sort of does drop off. After those couple of names, you have guys like Randy Vasquez, who at 24, it's hard to get as excited as I was a few years ago. He kind of hasn't progressed. Um, You know, Estevan Florial is still on this list somehow. Um, Alexander Vargas sort of got lapped by Peraza. And um, oh, gosh, who's the other guy that came up? Cabrera, Oswald Cabrera. So. Mm Not a ton down here. Do you see anybody that pops out for you before we yeah. hit the break here? Yeah, I've got a few names. Uh, so, uh, one from tier is a tier three. Uh, he was a really good like uh, breakout candidate last year. Kaner Delgado, uh, 18-year-old shortstop, was rookie league. Um, he had a breakout 2022, uh, 5'8", 145 pounds. And I think in 2023, he'll probably uh, hit you know single A. Um, a lot of people really like Kaner Delgado. So uh, if he's available in any dynasty leagues, definitely grab him. He's but several years away. Uh, tier four, some names that I like. Um, 
Paul has him down at number 25. I saw him play in double A. Uh, I like Elijah Dunham, uh, outfielder. I think he's got you know a good bat and he's a pretty good defender, uh, has some pop and has some speed. Another guy who's a sneaky prospect, but you can pick him up in in dynasty leagues, redraft leagues, whatever it might be. He's prospect eligible, but he's been in the majors, and that's the right-handed pitcher, uh, Ron Marinaccio. He's 27 years old, but he's a major league uh, bullpen guy right now, and he will contribute to that Yankees pitching staff uh, this year. And then at the end of Tier 4, uh, we've got Tyler Hardman, first baseman, 24-year-old, made it up to double-A last year. I actually saw Hardman in Arizona. I uh, was definitely uh, impressed uh, with Hardman. He's kind of under the radar a little bit, but he scorched the AFL uh, pitching. I think he hit 325 and had six homers and 15 RBIs in just 20 games out there uh, this past fall. Two Tier 5 guys, and that'll close it up for me. Um, coming over from, uh, the Braves, uh, there, uh, I think he's a relief pitcher. Really, really good is Indigo Diaz, Indigo Diaz. I'm not sure how his first name's pronounced, so I apologize for that, but I like, uh, Diaz, uh, great, great numbers. And then, uh, catcher who I saw a couple years ago in high A and, uh, he made it up to AAA this past year, Josh Bro. That's B-R-E-A-U-X. He's a 25-year-old catcher. Could see time in the majors. I mean, he doesn't have much more to prove in the minors. Uh, he's had a pretty successful year and was in triple A. Uh, so those are the guys from the Yankees that uh, this Red Sox fan wanted to mention. <laughs> that's saying something, honestly. That's quite the compliment. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, Again, we didn't even mention Austin Wells. I think that was another, probably the one name that some people are probably screaming at their. Yeah, where's Austin right now. Wells? Yeah, he's number yeah. two. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually kept him off my top 100. I'm not super high on catchers, so there goes. I know he's probably not a catcher in the long term, so that's appealing to him. But he's a, he's a really good. He was number two on the list, so should mention him as well. But Scott, wanted to thank you. I need to get you out of here. I know it's super late there on the East Coast for you. And we got Daniel coming on to talk about the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Orioles as well. So anything to uh, sign off here with that uh, you want to tell the people? No, uh, thanks for having me on. It's I love talking uh, top 50s. It's uh, it's one of our favorite uh, times of the season, uh, getting close to spring training here. I would like people, though, to uh, keep an eye out for within the next several weeks. We will be working with uh, a whole bunch of different minor league teams and uh, doing these social media player profiles again. It's a great series that um, the uh, different double-A uh, teams and hopefully some high-A teams this year will be uh, putting out posts on social media, spotlighting certain players that we believe are going to be on those teams this year, and uh, we'll have blurbs uh, written about those players from our writers. So it's an awesome uh, little series that we do with minor league baseball. And uh, watch for those um, on our Prospects 1500 feed and on these uh, other teams. We've worked with the Hartford Yard Goats and the Rock, Rocket City Trash Pandas and the Montgomery Biscuits and and so many others. And uh, we'll be expanding that this year. Yeah, I love that. That's such a great thing that I think makes us quite unique. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Scott, pleasure to have you on. 
I, I know you love talking Red Sox, but it was fun to also make you talk Yankees. So <laughs> we will be <laughs> we'll be taking a short break here. Then we're coming back and finishing up the rest of the AL East. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we're back. Thank you again to Scott Green for coming on, talking about those Red Sox-Yankees. But there's three other teams in the AL East, and we need to talk about them. In fact, they probably have better prospects than those two teams we just mentioned. At least a lot of people might think so, including Daniel Hoyle, who is coming over here to talk about the Blue Jays specifically, as well as to touch on the Orioles and the Rays. So, Daniel, how are you doing? Thank you for coming on tonight. Hey, I'm great, man. Happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah, so you're kind of been like a wild card type of do it all here. And I know you've dug <laughs> deep into the Blue Jays. So we're going to get into that system in a second. But I'm going to make you wait a little bit because I got to talk about the Orioles. So are you OK holding off with the Blue Jays as we talk about the best farm system in baseball, the Baltimore Orioles? I guess, man. <laughs> um, what do you think about that statement? Are they the best farm system in the big leagues right now? Yeah, I think so. I, I had them number one in my personal rankings. Yeah, so did I. They have four tier one players, according to Ryan James, um, who we can't uh, we couldn't get on. Unfortunately, he's been on the podcast before, but uh, he's a he's a good. He's a good talk. I love having him on, but he is not shy about his Orioles love. But it's hard to disagree with these guys. I have no problem putting Gunnar Henderson, Grayson Rodriguez, Jackson Holiday. In the elite tier one category, I guess the question here is Colton Kowser. Do you view him as a tier one player as well? That perennial all-star, very highly uh, probable that he turns into something like that. Um, or are you thinking that maybe that's a little bit of a reach? Um, I do have some concerns. Um, I, I, had, I did have him top 100, I think uh, mid-80s in my personal rankings. Um the K's were way up, um, although I know that was a little bit out of character for him. That really hadn't been part of his profile before. Um, and his splits against lefties. Um, he hit uh, 194, 329, 287 against lefties on the year. So I, that's that's a little concern. I, I you know don't know if maybe he's trending like a strong side platoon guy. Um Certainly ranking him in, in tier one would suggest otherwise. And uh, I, I will admit to not having watched a ton of Colton Kowser, uh in person. So uh, be curious to see what he looks like this year against lefties. Yeah, I don't think I quite had him in the tier one. I think I had him in uh, the 60s. Uh, no, I had him at 80. Oh, wait, what did I have him in here? Sorry, I have this list here. Um, that was, oh, Totally looked up the wrong, looked up Mayo. <laughs> Mayo Mayo was also on my my top 100, by the way. But actually, I there's a guy that Mayo. I want to talk about, yeah, that I would actually probably put into the tier one, and that's Connor Norby. Um, he has 
Norby all the way down at eight. To me, as crazy as it might sound, I actually have Norby as uh, a tier one player. And if I was doing this list, I'd probably have five <laughs> tier one players. What do you think about Connor Norby? Are you as high on him as I am, or am I a little bit too crazy? Uh, no, man. I, I actually had him ranked ahead of Kowser as well. Um, I, guy just hits. I, I really like Norby too. Yeah, I think Norby is not going to hit for the power that when you click on him and you look at his baseball reference page and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy hit that many home runs. I don't think he's that guy, but I do think that there is a very clear path for him on a potentially great Orioles team. The bat's going to play. It's going to be a lot of doubles. It's going to be like Pedroia with maybe 10 more home runs is kind of what I'm envisioning, which is an MVP caliber player. And he's just about as safe as anyone in this Orioles system. Um, honestly, like he might be the safest player out of everybody, um, even over Gunnar Henderson. And I know we should talk about these guys to the top two. So let's go ahead and move to the top here. Gunnar Henderson. I know everybody is in love with this guy right now. Had a great debut. There's no doubt about it. He's a lot of people. I mean, he's MLB pipelines, number one overall prospect. I wasn't ready to put him ahead of Connor uh, Corbin Carroll. I wasn't ready to put him ahead of Jordan Walker, and I wasn't ready to put him ahead of L.A. De La Cruz. I managed to float him all the way down to number four, which, again, is not saying that I think he's awful by any stretch, but that was the lowest ranking that anybody had on Gunnar Henderson. So um, I guess I'm slightly lower on him. I'm just not fully confident. I feel like there is a, a path where he kind of doesn't do what we we think he's going to do. Uh, he's not a sure thing in my eyes, but still, obviously, a four is an elite player. But what are your thoughts on Gunnar Henderson? Um, where did you have him, first of all? And, you know, what do you think he's able to do this year? He's going to be playing every day in 2023. What do you think he's capable of right away? Yeah, I, I had him as my number one. Um, uh, present value, like you say, he's playing every day um premium position uh big power and speed i i i definitely do have uh some concern about maybe potential splits um he struggled it was a really small sample i had 26 plate appearances but um he did uh looked pretty overmatched against lefties so that'll be something uh i'll i'll, I'll be watching pretty closely at the start of the year but i mean God, he's so exciting um like uh, the really fun player to watch the power speed combo. Um, I, I figure he's entrenched at short for a bit. Um, I, I wonder if he if he moves to third to make way for some of the other um, better shortstop defenders in that system. Um, but uh, man, he's so exciting. I yeah. Um, yeah. I think two points that you made that we need to highlight just to make sure everybody is clear. Like he's a left-handed hitter with kind of spooky splits and that's something where like I mean he's not going to steal the bases that Corbin Carroll was is going to steal he is not going to hit to the level that Jordan Walker is going to hit in terms of the average and I don't think that he has the ceiling that L.A. De La Cruz which is why I had him at four and he is moving to third like he's he's a third baseman like there's Maybe a chance he plays him short, but you got Joy Ortiz, who is fantastic, yeah. who is probably going to be there the long term. If not, Jordan Westberg is right there. Those two are probably better shortstops than 
than Henderson is. He's he's getting big. He's he's a third baseman for sure. So again, I'm a little bitter because I I've traded him in a few spots. <laughs> but you know, again, I I I'm just gonna be this guy because I don't hear anybody talking about this. But people say, oh, he broke out at 2022 and just blew up. But 297 with 19 home runs and 22 stolen bases isn't necessarily blowing up, blowing up. It's very good. But as a 21-year-old, it's not like out of this world fantastic. And he came up and hit 259 with four home runs and one stolen base in a, in a small sample size. So yeah. I'm I'm just not totally convinced yet, I guess, as, as you – even you didn't sound that way. But I know some people are totally convinced that he's like a top 20 dynasty asset right now. Right. And I just – I can't do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would not argue with anybody that – that has like Ellie ahead of him. I mean, the, the ceiling for somebody like Ellie is, you know, best, best player in the league. So I, you know, maybe that's not the case with, with Gunnar Henderson. So I, I, I'd have a hard time arguing. Yeah. Now again, Grayson Rodriguez, he hasn't done anything necessarily bad in terms of statistics and what he's done on the mound. The thing that Hurt him was a back injury that they kept him out for so long, which I get it. Like he's a pitcher. The Orioles did not need him in 2022. They definitely took their sweet time with him with the eyes on 2023 and beyond. So I get it. But what we have seen is Andrew Painter, Yuri Perez, maybe even a couple other names that have passed him up. So it was pretty easy to say that he was the number one pitching prospect in baseball. Is he the number one pitching prospect in baseball for you? I have Painter number one. Um, I, I, I have I have Grayson number two, um, just ahead of Yuri Perez. I, th- those two were a really tough call. Um, but yeah, I think what Painter did this past year, um, holy moly, he was so good. Um, but Grayson Rodriguez, I he's dynamite for me. I I'm really excited for him, um, particularly the way the park played last year. Um, that had kind of been a concern prior was I knew he's great. Um, that park is kind of a launching pad. Doesn't look like it's playing that way anymore. Um, I, I'm very excited for him. I mean, the combination of uh, velo command uh, pitchability, like he's, yeah, he's, he's still uh, very much elite uh, in, in my eyes. Yeah. And I, just for the record, agree with you. In fact, I did have Yuri Perez ahead of Grayson, but there is something that Grayson has above both Painter and Yuri, and that's his proximity to the big leagues. Like he's going to be in that rotation way sooner than Painter. Well, yeah. maybe not Painter maybe. with the way the Phillies <laughs> are, but most likely he'll be the first one up, and you, you're going to have to wait with those other guys. So that is appealing. It's a tough division to pitch in. The injury of the back, you know, it didn't seem that serious, but man, he, he stayed on the shelf for a long time. So I don't know. I'm not too worried about it at all, but at the same time, the shine has kind of come off a little bit. However, we have Jackson holiday. And I talked to Scott earlier about going for it with these young guys that seem to have like number one overall player type of things. Like you mentioned with Ellie de la Cruz, which is why I said, you know what? At this point, splitting hairs, let's just put the guy that I think could be the best player in baseball mm-hmm. at number one or number two. Jackson Holiday easily could be one of the best players in the big leagues, yet he is 19 and has very little to show on a professional resume. But at the same time, the ceiling is incredibly huge. I mean, how did the Orioles 
get all of these guys, man. It's just crazy. It's they're the envy of the league. Jackson Holiday, uh, we we mentioned who's going to play shortstop for them like immediately. Like this is the guy that's playing shortstop for them for the next 10 to 15 years once he's up. Uh, let me ask you this. These these names you see here, Grayson, Gunner, Jackson, Kowser, and then we talked about Norby also being very high. You talked about Kobe Mayo. Like what who do you like the best? Like honestly, I know Gunner's the easy answer, but somebody that doesn't fit into the order that uh Ryan had here that maybe you want to talk about. Like who do you out of these names, who do you just really have the most confidence in? Hmm. Um all right, so my my favorite prospect um in this system is kobe mayo um the guy that i feel like is maybe the most uh surefire big leaguer um out of the infielders is probably westberg um or joey ortiz just on the back of the defense um uh, kobe mayo i i know it was a little bit of an underwhelming year but the the power and he he's not just up there trying to hit bombs. Like he's not an indiscriminate hacker up there. Like he's got an idea. He's got, he's got hit tool. I, I, I really like that guy. Um, and I, I, I'm excited to watch him this year. I, I think he rebounds and uh, gets himself back up in uh, consensus top 100 um, rankings. Yeah. So the guardians, the Dodgers, these are organizations that can take pictures and make them fantastic. The Orioles are not that. They can take that the hitter, and they have a great way of developing these guys. They're making adjustments with the approaches for a lot of these guys once they're drafted and getting them to swing at pitches in the zone, getting them to learn not to chase, adjusting the approach for a lot of these guys. And it's turned out fantastic results, turning guys that, you know, Gunnar Henderson and Kobe Mayo, these were guys that were not highly drafted, and yet here they are just ready to be impact players for you and for the Orioles. But what are they going to do with the pitching? I know they have Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah, he's great. But after that, like there is not a lot in the rotation right now at the big league level. The the names, if you go take a look at that depth <laughs> chart, is kind of embarrassing. You're not a big Dean Kramer guy, I take it. <laughs> no. Um, and they're – is nobody else because, I mean, D.L. Hall, sure, the potential is great. He can't stay healthy. He's already dealing with an injury. He's going to be in the bullpen. Like, that's just the way it's going to yeah. be for him at this point. Where are they going to find four other starters in the long term? Because there's nobody here. They're all fantastic hitters. But we're talking about, like, after D.L. Hall and after Grayson Rodriguez, Seth Johnson, the former Ray, um, Nobody else. Like, what are yeah, they going to do with the pitching here? The the back end of uh, tier three, uh, we've got Cade Povich and Drew Rahm, who are, you know, kind of pitchability lefties, um, probably fourth, fifth starters at best. Um, I actually do like Povich a, a bit, but um, yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like a situation where they they will trade from a surplus at some point. Um, somebody like Westberg or Ortiz um, can be some team starting shortstop, I imagine, and they bring in a pitcher be a trade. It's Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, and potentially Tyler Wells if Grayson Rodriguez doesn't mm. come up right away. <laughs> it's underwhelming. Yeah, but man. 
I don't know where they're all going to play when it's all said and done. I mean, if we had to, if we had more time, it would be fun to sort of like do a five years in the future and try to build a lineup with this team because you're going to have to have Adley at catcher. Obviously, you're going to need to have Cedric Mullins probably still in center field. You need Gunner at third, and then all of the names that you see on this list, it's hard to fit them in everywhere. So you're probably going to be absolutely right in that they're going to trade one of those infielders for a pitcher. Maybe Joey Ortiz comes up and just does really, really well, kind of like a Jeremy. He reminds me a lot of Jeremy Pena for the Astros, where we weren't fully convinced about the bat, but we knew about the defense. And then, like, we saw what Jeremy Pena did (laughs) in the World Series, and now he's a certified stud. If that happens to Joey Ortiz, then boom, now you have Westberg and you have Mayo and you have Norby, guys that you can send out and and get a pitcher. But I I don't know how they're going to do it. It's going to be interesting to watch. There's so many more names to go over. I mean, we can just really quickly, I love the draft pick of Dylan Beavers and then Judd Fabian. I think those are two fantastic dynasty targets for you to get. You can get them in the second to third to maybe even the fourth round if people are not in on the Judd Fabian train. Probably can't get Beavers that late, but man, they are just so good dynasty prospects in terms of power and speed. They're fantastic. You have Heston Jurstead as well that was drafted in the you know first round a couple of years ago now, but still, oh, still very, very good. Um, there's just so many good players down here. Hudson Haskin had a little bit of helium there as well. Is there anybody else you wanted to sort of mention before we move on to the Blue Jays? This is just such a good system. We could talk about it all night. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One guy in tier four uh, to the pitching question is um, we have him in number 27, Noah DeNoyer. Um, 35.5% strikeout rate last year. That was second, or I'm, I'm sorry, third only to um it was Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall um check my notes that is correct yeah and he was added to the 40 man so um really curious to see what he looks like I I haven't watched a ton of him but uh, the numbers look really strong Uh, he was undrafted his draft year and uh, so he's really exploded uh out out of nowhere so I wonder if he might be a guy that can contribute to the uh, back of their rotation in relatively short order yeah, I think that's a good piece of advice is to keep an eye on these pitching prospects. They're, somebody's going to have to come up. Kyle Bradish is a great example. He's sort of that first wave of guy that came up unheralded as a prospect. When you sort of dug down deep with him, you saw oh, a good four-pitch mix. There's a lot of strikes. They're going to have to pitch somebody, and prospects could be the way they do that. And those guys could be pitching for an offense that scores 10 runs a game, and you get a lot of wins. So. It's it's kind of a weird way of looking at it, but certainly somebody has to pitch for this team. And, you know, the dimensions and have you I mean, I don't know how many Orioles games you watch, but that park plays huge now. Like people are hitting bombs and they're 15 to 20 feet short of going out. It's kind of way different than it was when I was growing up where Canem Yards was just a place where you could get offense, offense, offense. So pitchers. That's one way of doing it, I suppose. But, um, let's move on. Let's go on to the Blue Jays. Uh, I have a few questions about the system. I sort of mentioned it earlier where there's a lot of names I'm not familiar with that are very highly ranked. So I'm interested mm-hmm. to see your take on these guys. And, you know, comparing these Blue Jays prospects to the other four teams in this division, it definitely is clear that they are not on the same level. They do have that elite player in Ricky Tittleman, but after that, you know, this system dries up really, really quickly, unless, you know, you can convince me about some of these guys. So 
Um, overall, the Blue Jays, what do you think about their system? You know, I know it's not the greatest compared to these other teams in this division, but what, what can you say about them? Yeah, I I had them as a uh, bottom third system. Um, I, there are a handful of guys that um, I, I think have uh, pretty high ceilings. I mean, Tiedemann's really the only consensus top 100 prospect. I think that's fair. Um, there are some guys like Arelvis Martinez that um, have uh, – it seems like a lot of folks are really out on him. Um but system as a whole, uh, there is a lot of interesting depth with uh, pitching that could contribute fairly soon um, to, to the bullpen. I think I don't, don't see too many guys that I think will be um, pushing the rotation this year, maybe next year, um, really outside of Tiedemann. Um, a lot of utility bats. Um, a, a few interesting bats. I, I had an article recently about, um, you know, who might uh, potentially fill in at third base after, um, it, if Matt Chapman uh, were to leave after this free agent year. And we looked at Addison Barger and uh, Damiano Palmigiani. Um, Barger, I, I think, is really interesting. Um, and it, he's, he's a guy that I think if he... Um, the gains that he showed last year in terms of play discipline um, and his uh, swinging strike rate, that was a big improvement. If he can continue to improve uh, there, I, I think he's a guy that could really jump up some lists and could be starting second baseman, um, you know, maybe even this year, uh, depending on how things go with guys like Merrifield and um, Santiago Espinal, Kevin Biggio, guys like that who are uh, – pretty uh mediocre I, that, that second base position is really kind of the one spot on the team that um is, is fairly weak at this point um so it's a guy like barger that's really interesting other than that there's some fun lefty arms i mean tiedemann for sure uh brandon barrero is their first round pick um actually kind of similar to tiedemann in a lot of ways they're both really physical lefties big fastballs big sliders um uh, he's he's pretty interesting guy like Adam Mako that came over in a trade. He was in uh, part of the Teoscar Hernandez trade. So it's another another fun lefty. Um, that was something I noticed. And uh, other than that, a lot of, you know, potential utility guys, bullpen guys, that that kind of depth. Uh, not really uh, a lot of potential star talent. Agreed. I think this team is trying to compete right now at the big league level. They're going to use these guys to the best of the, you know, the team as a whole to win games. So that does equal a lot of utility guys, plus the trades that they've been making in the last couple of years. We've seen a lot of their prospects on the way out. Uh, two guys, though, I do want to kind of highlight. You already mentioned Barger again. I think that's a great, a great highlight. I think that he is undervalued in a ton of leagues. He has one of the prettiest swings in all of minor league baseball. I just love the torque and the power that he gets behind that swing. Oh, I think he is a, a supremely undervalued player right now. So go out and get him. Um, I fall in love with swings a lot. I don't know if it's a good <laughs> or a bad thing, but his swing is is one that I just absolutely think is perfect. But number two on the list, I'm so glad that we have him number two on the list here. That's our Elvis Martinez. 
we talked about Jason Dominguez doing fantastic things as a 19 year old. And if we took away the name Jason Dominguez and told you that he is a 19 year old that hit 16 home runs with the 27 stolen bases, you would be extremely excited. And or Elvis Martinez is another example. If I were to say, hey, guess what? We have a, a 20 year old that hit 30 home runs as one of the youngest players in double A and only struck out 29%. Now I say only with a, in air quotes because it's still high. Don't get me wrong, but it's not extraordinarily bad. 29% strikeout with 30 home runs as a 20 year old. I would say you have a top 10 prospect. Like <laughs> I don't understand how I was the only guy to rank or Elvis Martinez in my top 100. And I know a lot of people haven't finished their list yet, but as when I finished, I was the only one that had him on the top 100 still. So I'm so happy to see him number two on this list. Now, that might not be saying that much for this Blue Jays system, but I mean, come on, 30 home runs is a 20. I don't give a crap that he hit 203. Bad luck. What all? I mean, but 29% strikeout rate, which I can stomach with 30 home runs as a 20 year old, is out of this world. Why are we so low on Oralvis Martinez now? The rest of the world, I guess I, I'm asking, but I'm asking you now too. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I think it comes down to there were hit tool questions as part of his profile. And so it ends up being kind of confirmation bias of, ah, you know, I, I thought that he had hit tool uh, concerns and now he hit, you know, two, 200 with uh, 28.5% strikeout rate without the, you know, without the context of that you already mentioned that he's a 20 year old who spent the entire season at double A is one of only, I, I mean, maybe three uh, 20 year olds that actually played the majority of the season at double A. And it was him, Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn. Um, you know, both guys that are consensus top 100 prospects. So um, very easy to look at the surface stats and, um, and write him off. And I think way too many people are doing that. He, um, he had a 217 BABIP. Um, so that's a big part of that, that 200 batting average. I mean, there, there still is some swing and miss concern. Um, 17% swing and strike rate. It's not great. Um, but I, you know, he's facing the most advanced pitching he's ever faced in his life. And he still hit 30 homers as one of the youngest players in the level. I, I, I still am very interested in Aurelvis Martinez. I, I had him just outside my, my top 100. I, I do have some concerns, um, about the hit tool, but, um, he actually was better at shortstop than, than I expected to. I watched a bunch of his games and um, kind of expected to see that he would be pretty rough there. And I, I he was basically fine. I mean, I, I don't know that it's great range, um, but I, you know, if, if I hadn't read scouting reports that told me that he was definitely moving to third base, I, I don't know that I would have raised too many questions about the fact that yeah. he's was playing shortstop. So I, yeah, I, I like him. I, I'm still in. Yeah, six foot one, two hundred pounds doesn't suggest anything too uh, egregious at shortstop. And you said it like that Babbitt. I don't know how you can have a Babbitt that low and hit thirty home runs. It doesn't make yeah. any sense <laughs> to me. So if you can adjust that like to somewhat normalize, and now we're talking about a two sixty hitter. I know that's stretching it a lot, but if he hit two sixty with thirty home runs, with four years younger than his competition at Double A, different conversation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're talking top no 20, 20. So I I don't know who do you who do you want to have you know who would you bet the the house on or Elvis or Addison Barger going forward if you had to pick only one. Oh man, um, that's a great question. I think if I had to pick one, I I I probably go Addison Barger just because we've seen him do it against higher level competition. 
Um, I, I have those guys, man, they're so close uh, for me in my personal rankings. I, I really like uh, Addison Barger. He, yeah, he just mashes the ball. Um, I'm pretty excited about him. I, I, I think he's got, got a shot to be on the squad this year um, and, and, and making some noise. So um, it's probably Barger for me, but they're very close. Yeah, I think I had I had Barger at 67 and I had or Elvis in the 70s. So I think I agree with you, okay. but it wouldn't surprise me to see or Elvis just kind of come back on a revenge tour of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, what about the draft pick? Uh, Brandon Barrera, uh, left handed pitcher. We didn't talk about him too much. What are your thoughts on him? I don't know too much about him, but I have seen him go pretty high in some of first year player drafts. Sort of just sort of I just automatically gloss over pitchers out of high school in my first year player drafts. But what do you have to tell me about him? Number three on the list here for us at uh, on the on the rate on the on the Jays list. Yeah, we, we we have a similar approach when it comes to FYPD. I'm pretty pretty nervous about uh, high school pitchers, but yeah, I mean he's. Um... He's not really what I would typically think of as a high school pitcher. I mean, he's very physical. Um, I mentioned earlier, he kind of reminds me of, of Tiedemann a, a lot. They're both like very physical, athletic guys. Um, big fastball, like he's already, you know, touching upper 90s. Um, big, uh, big curveball. Um so, I, I mean, a lot of his uh, high school numbers are ridiculous. I mean, he was just, you know, way too advanced for um, for his competition in high school. So, I mean, he's a big guy, 6'2". Um, so, I don't know that there is as much physical projection as you would typically associate with the high school pitcher. You know, like, well, we're going to need to see this guy for, you know, put muscle on for, you know, three years before we know what we have, that kind of thing. Like, he's... He, he might he might move relatively quickly, um, assuming that he stays healthy. Um, and if he does, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he I, I bet he's a, a top 100 prospect uh, pretty quickly. He's it's big stuff. So we mentioned earlier that there are some names on here that I'm just not familiar with. And I think now's the time as we finish up this list, because I do know a lot of these names below, like like you mentioned, Adam Mako, Spencer Horowitz, I actually kind of like as well. Leo Jimenez, everybody knows Nate Pearson. Mm-hmm. But ahead of that, a couple of names here. I just want to get your quick, uh, quick action, uh, what these guys are like. Number five, Yasvir Zaleta, a right-hander, 25. We have at number seven, Tucker Toman. And number eight, Dian, which I might be mispronouncing, Santos. Those are three guys I honestly have never heard of. So anything that sticks out for you on those ga- those guys or are this just kind of, oh, this is the J system. We don't need to worry too much. <laughs> no, um, Zulueta is really interesting. Um, he, I mean, he's got filthy stuff. He just hasn't been healthy. Um, he, he blew out his knee um, and that was coming off Tommy John. Uh, so he missed like, I think it was two full years. So, so he's already 25. Um so I, I think he'll move pretty quickly. Uh, he, you know, if it, I expect he'll start in AAA because last year he he saw four levels. Um, so they 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 were moving him uh, right along. Um, he when he got to AA and AAA though, huge walk rates. He was 18, 19% walk rate. Um, so big stuff has a hard time harnessing it. Um, 
a lot of folks think he's likely a reliever. I, I tend to think that's probably the case too. Um, you know, as much because of durability concerns as for kind of inability to um, to throw strikes. So, um, but it's big stuff. I mean, like uh, the upper 90s, 100 mile an hour fastballs, huge strikeout rates. So if, if he's throwing strikes, he could be in the pen this year. Um, really no reason to keep him down if, if, if he's um, effective. Um, so yeah, pr- pretty excited about him. Actually, he, he was fun to watch in some of the, some of the games I went back and, and watched for their system. Um, Tucker Toman, uh, draft pick from this year. Um, he was the, the number 77 overall pick. So switch hitter, um, shortstop, but probably moves to third. Um, I think really only concern with him is, is, is he going to hit enough, um, in terms of uh, contact? Like he's, he's definitely got, got a lot, a lot of pop. Um, so, uh, definitely, uh, interesting guy to watch. Um, I haven't really had an opportunity yet to dig into some of his video, but uh, he, he's an interesting one. And Santos is um, he's he's kind of a little guy. Um, he's really slender build, um, throws kind of a low 90s fastball, but he's got a big slider. It's probably one of the best breaking pitches in the system. Um, so he, he's he's really young still. Um Definitely curious to see if he can add some muscle and maybe add a few more ticks of velocity. Because if he does, like he he's got a chance to to really jump jump up the system. Um, he's he's very intriguing. Yeah, those those statistics on some of those guys, as you were mentioning, I kind of looked them up. They're fantastic. I think those guys are rightly ranked, especially ahead of those guys that I mentioned earlier. That probably most of us recognized especially like the Nate Pearsons of the world so those three are, are really interesting I'm a sucker for switch hitters you tell me switch hitting third baseman and I'm getting really excited as a Braves fan <laughs> so it's good to know I think the Blue Jays they're not as you know I actually like a lot of these guys and I think that they're not as bad as as you may think at the you know oh the Blue Jays you kind of do do a quick look at the system I think it's pretty decent for how good the major league roster is so that that is the issue is that they're not good enough to like break through. As you mentioned earlier, they're probably a lot of utility bats. I think Barger is one to really keep an eye on because second base right now, you're looking at Whit Merrifield, who is sort of shown chinks in his armor. And then you have Santiago Espinal. I think Barger could be the best one of those three right now. Kevin Biggio, unfortunately, hasn't done what his dad was able to do in any sort of yeah. way. Uh, but there's just not a lot of other options when you take a look at this lineup. I mean, you're not you're coming you're not coming in as a catcher, you're not coming in and replacing Guerrero, you're not replacing Chapman, you're not replacing Bo Bichette, you're not replacing Darton Volstra, you're not replacing Springer. The rotation's set, like there's no way in, minus the bullpen, which is why I think Zaleta is a really good guy to talk about because yeah, Jordan Romano is fantastic, but you know things change. Closers change really quickly and a team that wins a lot in holds leagues, especially like that guy could be up and make a difference for you right away. Yeah. All right. they, uh, the, oh, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Finish up with, uh, with, with whatever you like. We're moving on to the Rays after this. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say the, um, the end of 
the the Jays pen is the area that I think we we could see a lot of these guys come up and make an impact. Guys like Zulueta, maybe Pearson if he can ever stay healthy. He had a good showing in the um, winter league. Um, guys in uh, the we've got ring number fifteen, Hayden Younger, opportunity there for him to come up and uh, pitch in the pen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I the, that and second base. I mean, th- those are really the areas I think we could see somebody come up and. Um, and, and make an impact out of maybe some of the lower ranked guys in tiers four and five, maybe. All right, the Rays. And I'm sad and also quite happy that we don't have Jake Wiener on because he is notorious for having a lot of tier one players, but <laughs> he's also very, very good at convincing you that he's right with those tier one players. And this year is no exception. Uh, Kyle Manzardo, Shane Boz, Curtis Mead and Taj Bradley are all tier one players. I think three of those four are, um, and one is really not. <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you talk about what you think about having those four tier, and let's see if we agree on that one that is clearly not a tier one player for me, at least. Um, yeah, so Manzardo, I, I would definitely have uh, in, in tier one. I think I had him... Yeah, I've got him uh, number 26 overall, um, just r- right there with Curtis Mead. So I, I, I have those guys as top 30 prospects uh, for me. So I, I definitely like both of them. Uh, Boz, I, I wasn't sure what to do with him uh, with with the surgery. So I, I, I didn't actually have him ranked. And if I'd had him ranked, I think he would be pretty high up there based on what we've already seen from him. Um I don't know that I'd have Taj Bradley in tier one, but I do like him. I think he's maybe a little underrated um, kind of within the, at least kind of the fantasy focused industry. Um, But, but yeah, he he might be more of a tier two guy for me. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think Shane Boz is the clear guy that doesn't belong. In fact, as I'm looking at this uh, for our rankings, nobody has ranked Shane Boz yet. Again, you know, two years ago, I was never that high on on him anyway. I just I never liked him. I don't know why. I always forced myself to rank him because everybody else sort of was not to like <laughs> make a victory lap or anything. But he's the guy that is not a tier one player for me at all. But Curtis Mead and Kyle Manzardo, if you know, people were surprised of how high you had them. I had. Mead at number 12 and Manzardo at number 13. So wow, yeah. I'm very confident in those two making huge impacts at the big league level. The only thing with these Rays is that we've loved a lot of their prospects for a long time. And yet, who is the guy? It's like Randy or Rosarina, who wasn't even really developed by them and came over. Like they stole him from the Cardinals. And you know, Wander, yeah, I mean, he was hurt, but he has, you know, people are kind of like, oh, I guess, you know, Wander is like, you know, 15 homer guy or whatever. I still am very high on Wander, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but that's the kind of like the history that we have to go with the Rays. But with all that being said, I think Manzardo ready to go at first base whenever they're willing to give him a shot. And I think Curtis Mead is the guy that sticks all, you know, at second base or at third. I mean, wherever there is opening, he's going to be being forced into the lineup. Yeah. I love you guys. And I think Taj does belong in tier one. If I had to, I think I had him in the top 40, which probably is, you know, on that borderline of an, uh, of a tier one player. But for me, he's pretty polished. I saw him at the future game. He started that game 
I think he deserved it. His stuff to go along with what he knows how to do with it is very uh, unparalleled in the minor leagues. He knows what to do with his great stuff. That's what I'm trying to say. And he's fantastic. Now, there's a couple other guys that still made my top 100 list after this. Uh, Junior Caminero, I think, deserves some consideration to go above Carson Williams. I had him on my top 100. I did not rank Carson Williams, who I know Jake has been very high on for a long time with him. So I get that idea. And he had a a fantastic 2022 season. Maybe I'm sort of undervaluing him. Jonathan Aranda, I thought about it, honestly, just because of his proximity to the big leagues. I think people are forgetting about him. He's ready to play now. Had a decent debut. Um, I also almost had Mason Auer on the list. I think he was like maybe my 101 prospect. Um, Saw some video on Xavier Isaac. Really like that guy. I think he can turn into like a Josh Naylor type of clone where he just is, you don't know how far he can hit a ball until you see him. And then it's like 550 feet. So he's fantastic. Um, Anybody else that we didn't mention in tier one that, that crept onto your top 100 list, do you think? Uh, well, I also had Junior Camonero um, at uh, kind of the back end of the top 100. Um, and out of the guys you mentioned, he's the only other guy that made it for me. But um, I, I, I'm I'm skeptical of of Carson Williams just because of the strikeouts. I mean, it's I, I know he's he's like a tool shed, man. These and this is something that the Rays have. Like all up and down their system are these guys that are great athletes, huge tools with hit tool concerns. So there's, there's stuff that I was going through each of the tiers. I'm like, Oh yeah, there's a, there's another like one, two, three, four, five of those type of guys. So I, they, they definitely have a type. Um, but, um, Carson Williams, definitely fun, but yeah, he, he didn't make the, the top 100 for me either. You know, minor league gold glove. We talked about Joey Ortiz and how defense can get you to play every day. Jeremy Pena was the example of it in 2022. Carson Williams could be that guy where, you know, defense is going to be something that's very, very valuable with the the shift rules changing. So he might be that guy. I don't know. I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm skeptical a little bit, but man, Jake knows his guys a lot. And for him to have them at number five gets me intrigued a little bit. Yeah. He's only 19 too. So I, yeah. 19 home runs, 28 stolen bases, winning a gold glove. He's a 19 year old. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But yeah, Junior Cabanero, I think, is a guy that, you know, came over from Cleveland. They sort of just stole him from Cleveland, which is tough to do because we think of Cleveland as one of those smart organizations. And yet the Rays were able to do that to even the Guardians. So that's pretty impressive. I think he's a name that you definitely got to be on the lookout for. I was able to pick him up for free in a dynasty league. You probably can't do that now, but you probably could get him for a relatively decent deal if you if you made it. I do want to talk about Cole Wilcox. I think a lot of people forget about him. He was uh, a guy that um, I was really, really high on as he came out of the, the draft in 2022. Of course, had the Tommy John surgery, but his stuff is fantastic. Former Padre. I think that he reminds me a lot of the guy that they just drafted in Dylan Lesko, where you're going to get a huge arm. It's there it's going to get back to where he was and he just got to sort of learn how to pitch and he's had a delay, but I think Cole Wilcox is a really strong guy that it wouldn't surprise me if he was a top 100 guy. He's not it. Don't get me wrong. He's not there yet for me, but I thought about it for a second or two to see if I could sneak him on there. 
It wouldn't surprise me, though, in a year where we're talking Cole Wilcox, one of the best pitching prospects in the game. Mason Montgomery, fantastic left-handed pitcher as well. You know, minor league player of the minor league pitcher of the year for the Rays, 2.10 uh, ERA, 12K per nine. Really, really good. Um, talked about Xavier Isaac. I used to love Cameron Misner as well. I thought he was Mike Trout Jr. Didn't quite turn out that way, but <laughs> I like him. And number 14, he's not off the radar entirely. Um, Carlos Colmenares, remember him? <laughs> sort of uh, highly ranked international player we've talked about that on the podcast where you don't want to spend up on these international guys highly like first round picks because they go downhill quickly but um man this this we can keep going or elvis basbe is very good nick bisco willie Vasquez, jj goss greg jones man these are ryan spikes these are really good players this might be the deepest system in the big leagues what do you think uh they have they have so many really fun guys. I like, you know, I mentioned a bit ago the the type that they have with the hyper athlete that has hit tool concerns. And I mean, it's just like one after another with with uh, guys like Brock Jones, Mason Auer, Cameron Meisner, um, Willie Vasquez, Greg Jones. Like, I really like Greg Jones. And I mean, he's still I mean, he has electric tools. He just so much swing and miss um but uh, yeah just guys that are so much fun i just don't know what the rays do at the big league level that's what i can't figure out it's hard to guess it seems like they flip a coin each day on who's going to play they they seem to love harold ramirez and yande diaz more than i ever could (laughs) (laughs) um you know, out of all those fantastic prospects, they wanted to bring up Jonathan Aranda. No offense against Aranda. They brought him up first and played him a lot. They still have Jose Siri in center, who they seem to be very fond of. Margot is in right. You know, Brandon Lau is still at second. I don't know about this big league roster, but what can you try to guess what the Rays are doing for fantasy? What do you what is your strategy when it comes to them uh if you have one <laughs> yeah i i honestly tend to stay away just because they they tend to do so much platooning and it seems like they value defense um it's a, a lot more than i think most teams do with i mean guys like margot um i mean they they gave a bunch of bats last year to taylor walls you know jose series yeah, penciled in for right. a bunch of bats i mean they're they're great defensive players who are it's just it's pretty empty uh, production um, offensively. I I don't know. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to get excited about a lot of those guys. But you know, Aranda's kind of the opposite. I, he's all stick. So I, you know, may, maybe uh, maybe he'll be able to work his way in there. I mean, I, I know he put up some great numbers in the minors, but um, you know, I guess he'll be battling Harold Ramirez for DH at bats. So I we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, gosh, when you've got somebody like uh, Mead and Manzardo, like right there, I it'd be, it'd be be tempting. Go ahead and bring those guys up. Yeah, I think there's a good cha- a good chance that they do come up. And we haven't even mentioned about two other former prospects in Josh Lowe and Vidal Bruhan, who were you know as high as top 20 in a lot of places at at certain points in their careers that also don't have a starting position but they're there they're not going anywhere 
and they're I still believe in Lowe a lot. I never really believed in Bruhan, but he's certainly a capable guy that could play a lot of. I mean, they love their toolsy outfielder, and they love the guy that can play all over the infield. And yep. You can do those things. <laughs> you get. I mean, how long did they have Kiermaier out there for? Right. <laughs> he couldn't hit yeah. with anything, but. Josh right. Lowe, another another toolsy outfielder with hit tool concerns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. They do have a type. We talked about the Guardians having a type where high contact middle infielders that don't have a lot of power but could grow into it sort of thing. That and the Rays have that hyper athlete that have hit tool concerns. So interesting, interesting approaches. But you can't argue against the Rays. They're being very, very successful at the big league level. They don't trade away these guys for bad deals ever. So, yeah, you kind of have to just trust in it and hope that they sort of explode. I'm, I'm, I know we shouldn't talk about him, but Wander Franco, I just want to get your thoughts as we end the podcast. At this point, you know, people, if we could talk about whatever we want at the end. <laughs> because if you, if you made it this far, you get to, you know, we talked about Hudson Head last week, so. Wander Franco, what do we think about him? Um, give me like where you value him in terms of dynasty. What do you think is his, his 2023 looks like? Yeah, so I, the fantasy valuation, I think, is I guess where it's tough because I I don't think there's really any question about his value in terms of um, his real life baseball value. I mean the the amount of contact that he makes, like he you know he's a good player in elite position. Like I. I mean, love the real baseball player. I, I think it's fair to, you know, to, to ask the question about, you know, is he really like a top 20 dynasty asset? I think I still would have him that high. Just um, he's good. This is going to be his age 22 season. And, you know, most projections have him kind of, you know, mid-teens homers, 10 steals, but a lot of runs in RBIs. And, and I mean, if that's the floor, then, I mean, you're getting that for, 10 years I with a with a high batting average and good OBP I I still think he's a he's a great dynasty asset even if maybe okay. you know I'm gonna star. test you I'm gonna test you on what you just said okay and let's see if you think okay, okay. A vacuum <laughs> let's not worry about points roto or whatever okay. I have a trade offer you have Wander Franco here's who I'm coming at you one-on-one Andres Jimenez no what about Corey Seager. No. Okay. I I agree with you. Now let's get interesting. Ozzy Albies. No. Ooh. I think I'd take Albies. O'Neill yeah, Cruz. I, I, I'm a Braves fan, so I, I, I will admit that, uh, I mean, Ozzy's one of my favorite people um, and favorite players to watch. I, I'm a little worried about some of the... Um, uh, some of the chase, some of the injuries. I don't know. We'll see. I, I would love to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. You said O'Neill Cruz. Yeah, let's go O'Neill Cruz. I, I I think I'm still taking Wander. The yeah, the, the the swing and miss with with Cruz and the potential that maybe he moves off shortstop worries me a little bit there. I think I'd rather have Wander. I agree. I think I would rather have Albies and then it would be Wander and then O'Neill. Let's go to Jazz. Oh man, yeah, that's a tough one too. I I think I'd still go Wander. I have some of the same concerns with Jazz that I do with with O'Neill Cruz. Yeah, I think so too. What about Gunnar Henderson? Ooh, I think I still do Franco. Yeah, you know, I think I do too. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think I go Albies, Franco, Jazz, O'Neal, Gunner would be my ranking of those. What about Bobby Witt? Yeah, I, I might I might take Witt. Yeah, I take Witt. Yeah, Jose Ramirez. Yeah, I'd probably go Jose Ramirez. This is an interesting one. We'll stay, we'll end here. Bo Bichette. I, 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 hmm, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, the biggest uh, Bo Bichette fan in terms of fantasy. It may depend on the format for that one. Like if it's a batting average league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's I, a good point. I, yeah. Well, maybe I don't know. That's tough. <laughs> that one's really yeah. close for me. No, because yeah, if it's a well, if you're saying it's a batting average league, you're taking Wander or Bo. Bo. Why? Why would you say that? Wouldn't Wander have a better potential hit tool going forward? Well, I, th- I think the the OBP for um, hit from Bo, I, d- I don't think would be as severe in, in a batting average league, and then you get the extra power and steals. So, um, gotcha. Okay, yeah. I see what you're saying. Because I, I'm, in my mind, I think Wander's value is the fact that he's going to be a 300 hitter moving forward. Like, yeah, that's, that that's true. I, I, and I, mean, I think that's, that's a great point. Bo hit 290, and I think that's the highest he'll ever hit. Yeah, like, yeah, you may be right. Interesting. Okay, fun dynasty talk. We are not a, I mean, we don't talk about major leaguers too often, but I just, uh, I wanted to see where Wander was. We also had a couple of prospects in there. Interesting about, you know, I think a lot of people would ta- actually take Gunner ahead of Wander right now. I don't know if anybody would take Wander over Bobby Witt. I think Bobby Witt is. Yeah. Well, it's favorite. good to, good to put my opinions out there so that I can be clowned online. I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, All right. Fantastic. So this is a great division. Again, I'm telling myself I'm not going to go long and try to go fast, but there's just so many names that we need to talk about. And uh, I do appreciate you coming on, talking about a bunch of different names. And I know this is your first time on the pod, so I appreciate it. You did a fantastic job. I'm really impressed with your knowledge on all of these systems especially the Blue Jays, a couple of those guys that we mentioned that, you know, I'd never heard about. Now I'm, I'm looking them up in my leagues to, to pick up. So really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else, Daniel, that you wanted to hype up for uh, what you're working on or where people can find you on Twitter, anything like that? Uh, yes, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at ATX rain dog. Um, I, I will admit that I, I rarely tweet, um, but uh, I will follow you back and we can talk cards or baseball or, the Austin music scene, whatever, whatever you'd like to talk about. So, but uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. All right. That's going to do it. We are uh, more than halfway done with these divisions. I think we've done four now so far. Uh, You know, there's so much happening right now, despite the fact that no baseball is being played. We have first year player drafts that I'm going through three of them. I've already completed another so we need to talk about that. We have the aggregate rankings, which people love. Our followers absolutely can't get enough of that list. So we have to have probably two podcasts for that. Um, and we still got to get through the rest of the top 50 lists for the other divisions. There's a ton to go over. We're going to get all through it. And then when we're all done, baseball will be here and we'll be ready to go. So again, thank you for sticking to the end. If you did for this another long episode, but this is Futures Focus. Alex Sanchez is my name. Thank you again to Scott Green for coming on. Daniel, thank you for coming on. We will see you guys next week.